Hello and welcome to Dave's Music Room. I'm David Kavlovic and I have an armful more of CDs from my own collection to present to you. Well, more like a handful of CDs. It would be an armful if it was a bunch of LPs. And I guess if it was a bunch of 78s, I'd need a book cart. So CDs are really very, very, very compact, hence the name Compact Disc. I still prefer them as a sound carrier rather than downloading from the internet. I'm still attached to physical items and I still think the sound is better coming from a CD uh, even though you guys are hearing it electronically almost as an mp3 download I still feel the sound quality is better when you hear it from the actual CD anyhow I have some more great tunes to play for you today today's theme is basically the interaction between folk music and what we call classical music I think it's a a circular action, a sort of a catch-22. Who influenced whom first? Well, I don't think there was a first. I don't think there was a chicken-egg situation at all. I think it's always been a, a mutual um, influence as the traditions, of course, have lived side by side in whatever country you're in. The first disc we're going to listen to, it's a full disc, was issued on the Ondina label, which is a uh, label out of... Uh, I think it's out of Finland, but it could also be out of Sweden. I'm not quite sure, but it's a, it's a very good label uh, of, uh, of Nordic material, a wonderful CD label. Uh, no, it is finished. Yes, it is a Finnish label, and, and they have some very interesting material. I think it's under the control now of Warner Music, but don't quote me on that. Anyhow, back in the, uh, when? I guess the mid-90s, early 90s, they issued this disc called Folk into Classic. It's a performance of chamber works for a string orchestra by the Ostrobothnian Chamber Orchestra. No, I'm not going to try and mention the name that is its proper name in Finnish because it's not my first language, but it's translated as Ostrobothnian into English. And their conductor is Juha Kangas. Now, this disc is a lovely disc of composers of the 19th and 20th century who are influenced or have used elements of folk music of their native lands into their in their music now as i said i think that this music the music folk music the music of western art tradition have always existed side by side and who influenced who again i say is a circular thing some musicologists uh, kind of turn up their nose or at least they did until the 20th century of the folk influence into classical music. They thought composers were doing that to be quaint and to have a sort of a, a rustic uh, element uh, or earthy element to their music. Well, no, just they liked the music that they were listening to. Similarly, some musicologists were even arguing that folk music was in fact influenced by art music, that uh, the complexities of some folk tunes must have come from the classical tradition. No, I think it's because these folk musicians liked what they heard. But that's also a bit of an insult because there are thousands upon thousands of documented tunes. Thank goodness people did document them because a lot of this material, of course, was uh, oral as an A-U-R-A-L as well as oral, O-R-A-L. Uh, but fortunately, there were people in various uh, countries who realized from about the 18th century on it was important to notate all this great music. And you cannot tell me that all these great folk tunes uh, were influenced by the art traditions of the cities that uh, 
were found in the countries uh, where these folk musicians lived. That That's rather insulting. I think it does come down to they heard something, they liked it, they used it. And like I said, it goes both ways. The thing about composers, especially um, from the 18th and 19th century on, utilizing folk elements and folk music in their music more often, like I said, this goes back. You can even find traces of this going back to Renaissance music. Very easy to find that. In fact, the early medieval and Renaissance mass settings were often based on a local folk song. Even further, it can be proven that Gregorian plain song was often the adaptation of secular tunes in the area. Just add religious lyrics to these tunes and now it's acceptable music. Well, come the 18th and 19th century, and we are listening to material from the 19th and 20th century, composers of various nationalities who were under the yoke of bigger imperial powers, let's put it that way, for example, like England or France or Germany or even Russia, felt it was time to flex the muscles of the culture of their own peoples who were basically being suppressed, that these peoples have a right to their voice, to their culture as well. That shouldn't be considered from a xenophobic point of view, because nationalism often has that tinge, and it's very true, because quite often folklorists not only want to present what their own cultures have to offer, they are also very interested in the cultures of other people and music of uh, the cultures of other people because music is a universal language but everybody speaks that language differently just as it just as there is no universal um, spoken word tongue if you know what i mean this is true for music too and it gives great vitality to uh, the music scene the fact that you have folk festivals now where one country say for example croatia has people coming in from all over the world to perform their folk music at these folk festivals. It's wonderful. So the first composer on this Finnish disc is Finnish. It's Per Henrik Nordgren, who was born in 1944 and passed away in 2008. And similar to what I was mentioning to about being interested in other cultures, well, he apparently spent some time in Japan and became very interested in their music as well. Although his primary interest, of course, is his own native land. So the first tune, we're, the first work we're going to hear by um, by Nordgren, the only work we're going to hear by Nordgren, the first work we're hearing on this program, is a composition he did for string orchestra in nineteen in the mid nineteen seventies, called Portraits of Country Fiddlers. So here he is paying great tribute to the fiddling folk fiddling tradition of Finland. It's in four movements, and the four movements are titled The Plucker, The Thinker the old man's minuet and the fiddler's favorite tune. I remember hearing this disc for the first time, this tune, the set of uh, compositions by Nordgren for the first time and thinking, oh yeah, this is gonna be a great disc. And it certainly is. So here's the first composition on this disc, Per Henrik Nordgren's Portrait of Country Fiddlers, Opus 26, performed by the Austro-Bothnian Chamber Orchestra under the direction of Juha Kangas. Thank you. 
See, quite an energetic work. Love it. Pierre Henrik Nordgren's Portraits of Country Fiddlers, Opus 26. We heard it performed by the Austro-Bosnian Chamber Orchestra, conducted by Juha Kangas. Edvard Grieg, of course, is somebody we always associate with folk music traditions because he was so fond of the music of his supposed native land, Norway. I say supposed because... He actually is of Scottish heritage. A lot of Scots fled to Norway and other countries after the Battle of Culloden. In fact, half the Greek family ended up in Norway. The other half ended up in Canada, and one of their descendants was Glenn Gould. There's an interesting factoid for you if you've not known that before. Anyhow, one of Greek's most famous works for chamber orchestra, which was also composed for piano, so we like to do that with especially the folk compositions have them available in a chamber music fashion as well as for piano one of his most famous works is his two nordic melodies opus 63 which were published in 1895 these works really demonstrate grieg's penchant for beautiful melody beautiful nordic norwegian melody and uh, they are they've always been a favorite of uh, many a chamber ensemble and the two movements are in folk style and cowkeeper's tune and country dance let's listen to them now performed by the austro-bothnian chamber orchestra conducted by juha kangas
Nordic Melodies, Opus 63, composed by Edvard Grieg. Now, Witold Lutosławski, a great Polish composer of the generation just preceding Pendratsky, quite often mixed in folk music into his compositions, although his compositions often could be very uh, forward-looking, very uh, avant-garde in some cases, but he had uh, two basic periods where he used folk music, his early period, and sort of a return to uh, this folk idiom I'd say in the late 60s. One of his most famous works for string orchestra, quite popular even for amateur ensembles, and I think that's what he designed it for, are these five melodies for string orchestra based on Polish folk tunes. And the five uh, tunes are Ah Majasienko, I'm from Krakow, The Grove, the Gander, and Schoolmaster. Very short, but very entertaining. Let's hear them now performed by the Austro-Bothnian Chamber Orchestra, again under Juha Tangas.
Those are charming little tunes. Those were five melodies for string orchestra based on Polish folk tunes by Witold Lutosławski. We heard them performed by the Ostrobothnian Chamber Orchestra from Finland under the direction of Juha Kangas from a wonderful disc they issued in 1991 called Folk into Classic. We've been hearing tracks from that and we've got a couple more to listen to. The next is by the Estonian composer Heino Eller who lived from 1887 to 1970. That means he spent his entire life either under Russian or Soviet occupation. Therefore his music is heavily imbued by Estonian folk idioms music wise, cultural wise as well because he did not want his culture to be subjugated to the Russian yoke, shall we put it that way. These five pieces for string orchestra that we're going to hear, which he composed in the mid-50s, are a great case in point. Lovely, lovely pieces of music. They should be looked at by chamber ensembles outside of Estonia. I hope they are. It opens with a romance. There are two dance movements, then a lullaby, and a piece known as a homeland tune. Let's listen to these five pieces now of Hey No Eller, performed by the Ostrobothnian Chamber Orchestra.
quite a mellow mood set by those five pieces for string orchestra by the Estonian composer Heino Eller. The last group of pieces, short pieces on this disc, featuring the Austro-Bothnian Chamber Orchestra performing chamber works, influenced by folk music, is by the Georgian composer Sulkan Sinsadze. Now, Georgia as well was under the subjugation of both Russia and the Soviet Union, at least until 1990. Sulkan Sinsadze was born in 1925 and passed away in 1991. But, of course, like many a Georgian composer, he too tried to uh, promote Georgian culture in his music, although it's very interesting. Stalin was Georgian, but it seems the only thing he was really interested in was pretty minimal when it came to culture. He did like the Lesginka, which was it is a Georgian dance. It's kind of energetic, somewhat masculine, so that might explain it. But it was known that if you wanted to present a ballet in Moscow and you wanted Stalin to attend, you got to put a Lesginka or 300 in them. Certainly Kachatura knew that because he did that in his ballet suite Gaina. Anyhow, Sulkan Sinsadze, uh, and with Kachaturian, Kachaturian, was he Armenian or was he Georgian? You know, there's that big issue of even Georgian domination of Armenian culture. Anyhow, getting back to Mr. Tsinsadze, uh, over a number of decades, he wrote a number, I think well over 30, of these little quartet miniatures based on Georgian folk tunes. They work extremely well, of course, in a chamber ensemble, a string chamber ensemble, and six have been chosen for this disc. The first two, Shepherd's Dance and Fly Away Black Swallow, were composed in 1951. Something called Chonguri was composed in 1978, as was the Kasanbergura, and again in 78, as I said. Suliko from 19... Suliko, excuse me, from 1949, and finally a Sachido from 1947. Folk tunes, folk titles. Here are some quartet miniatures of Sulkan Sinsatsi performed by the Austro-Bothnian Chamber Orchestra under the direction of Juha Kangas. <laughs>
exuberant conclusion to a lovely disc. The disc was entitled Folk into Classic, and it featured the Austro-Bothnian Chamber Orchestra under the direction of Juha Kangas, and it featured compositions by composers of a folk element, folk music element. The last thing we heard were six quartet miniatures by the Georgian composer Sulkan Tsinsadze. Hope you enjoyed that disc. As I like to say occasionally, it's a disc worth getting if you still collect discs. I think it's also available for download, and I would look for it. Or you can always listen to this podcast over and over. I don't know what the label or even Spotify would have to say about that. Mind you, Spotify is making money on me, so they, you know, they shouldn't complain. Anyhow, I should mention that you are a guest in David's Music Room. My name is David Kavlovic. It's actually Dave's Music Room. Dave, David. What have you? I'm rambling on a Friday afternoon because that's actually when I'm setting this down. Because it's a lovely day and I just feel in a good mood and I want to play these great discs. And I would also like to hear from you. Please send me an email to my email address and say hi or whatever you feel like saying that's polite. Uh, you can send it to my email address at kapustadave at yahoo.ca. You can find that email address, as I say every week, embedded on the page you use to access this podcast. And I would also like to remind you that you can get more great music from my collection if you tune into my weekly radio show for CKCU-FM in Ottawa, 93.1 FM, the mighty 93.1. The show is on 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It's on for an hour, and it's called Music for a While, because I want to spend a while with you for a musical mid-morning midweek coffee break do tune in you can stream it if you wish you can listen to it on demand i mean not everybody is going to be at the 10 o'clock hour eastern time zone at the same time as the people who are in the eastern time zone right so i don't expect you to get up and listen to this thing if you're a few hours behind uh but i hope you do tune in because i've been enjoying doing the show as much as i enjoy doing this podcast and uh, i've been getting a lot of positive feedback for the show too i'm happy to say so i seem to be doing something right they don't want to take me off the air yet now let's continue with this uh, program of folk into classic into folk not too far off from georgia is greece and there is a fabulous composer who was often ignored in his life his name was Nikos Skalkotas. He was born in 1904 and he passed away in 1949, so his life was fairly short. He struggled a lot in his life to make a living as a musician. Part of the problem, if you want to call it a problem, is most of his compositions were influenced by the New Vienna School, Neue Wiener Schule of Schoenberg, Berg, and Webern. So in his day, and even in Greece especially, this music was not popular. Mind you, there were a lot of Greek musicians and composers at the time who were trying to move Greek music in a very forward direction. He passed away young, unfortunately, due to uh, an infection from an ignored hernia, apparently. Very, very sad. But he also was interested in Greek folk music. Any Greek musician worth their salt should be interested in Greek folk music and the traditional urban music as well. He transcribed a lot of Greek folk music uh, as part of his employment with the, uh, a folk music institute. Now, he's composed a lot of Greek dances, and five of them 
uh, have been gathered into a set that's very popular to be performed by a string ensemble. Those five dances uh, essentially uh, reflect, except for the last one, uh, the areas that they come from. So their titles are Epirotikos, that's from Epirios, Kletikos from Crete, Tsamikos from Samos, Arkadikos from Arcadia, and Eklektikos, which is a dance of the gorillas. These are really, really great tunes. And I've got a very good performance of it from a live concert presented in 1997 by the Manitoba Chamber Orchestra in honor of their 25th anniversary. This is a limited edition disc, which I picked up secondhand, but I have a feeling it was only available to those who either went to the concert or subscribed to the... Uh, Manitoba Chamber Orchestra uh, in any of their concert series because it's got no catalog number and it was issued uh, it's a CBC broadcast I think I know who may have been responsible for issuing this I think it's all fine and dandy so here's the Manitoba Chamber Orchestra under the direction of Simon Stratfield to perform these five Greek dances by Nikos Skalkotas <laughs>
Five Greek Dances by the Greek composer Nikos Skalkotas. We heard a great performance by the Manitoba Chamber Orchestra conducted by their long-term director, Simon Stratfield. Really, really fun performance. This is a good excuse to sort of move further west in Europe uh, into Hungary. It's not that far north from Greece, although culturally, yeah, a little bit of a difference. You do have the former countries of Yugoslavia in between, but the um, the combination of folk and classic is a, is very prominent in Hungarian culture in a similar way to the way it is in Greek culture, even though Greek music wasn't all that influenced by the Western composers per se. Where Hungary and Greece share um, a commonality is in the what I would call urban folk music, the music performed in the cafes, the restaurants. The Greek tradition is quite earthy, quite uh, quite uh, dramatic. You can think of the songs of um, Mikis Theodorakis, the uh, Rebetiko style and the tragedia of, uh, of uh, the Greek songs, a great popular tradition. The Hungarian tradition... So here's where the chicken and egg situation of folk into classic into folk really comes into play. And it has to do with the music that was stereotypically considered Hungarian folk, even by the likes of Ferenc Liszt, who was Hungarian, and Johannes Brahms. It wasn't. The folk music from the villages was not as prominent as, uh, as all that or as people were led to believe. It actually took research by people such as Bela Bartok and Zoltan Kodai to um, actually document and codify these great tunes from various regions of Hungary as well as the surrounding countries. They did that in part to be able to determine the difference between the Hungarian style and influential styles from other countries. So it benefited other countries as well, such as Romania, such as uh, the Balkan countries, all the way down into Turkey. Very, very good research. The Hungarian tradition is of the gypsy band, a stereotypical gypsy band in a restaurant somewhere in Budapest or maybe Seged thereof. That sort of idea of the you know the wandering violinist going from from table to table, uh, that's a bit uh, of a, of a watered down version as well. These these bands, gypsy bands as they were called, they may not have even been gypsies per se, although there were a lot of gypsy bands. Um, they performed a wonderful tradition of this sort of urbanized folk music, based sometimes on folk tunes, but just as often on popular songs composed. Uh, in the 19th and 20th centuries, as well as on tunes from Hungarian operetta. And it's, there's a lot of charm to it. It's, it's wonderful stuff. I've always liked it. One of the uh, classic uh, violinists in this um, genre is a fellow by the name of Georges Lakatos. The Lakatos family itself was very prominent in, um, in uh, Hungarian popular folk music uh, throughout the 20th century. And... Uh, I'm not sure if they are authentic Rom gypsies, but they certainly play in that style that was uh, urbanized, as I say, and it's great stuff. I've always liked it. So I've taken some tracks from a, an album called Souvenir from the Hortobaj. Hortobaj is a reg region of Hungary. So this is the, the, the even even certain Hungarians fall into the trap of thinking that this is 
authentic Hungarian folk music, but that's okay. This music is very much a part of their soul. It is very beautiful, soulful, expressive, fun, sad, all sorts of style music. And uh, I've just chosen a couple of tracks from this particular disc. They're always sort of potpourris of uh, other tunes. That's how they arrange them. So they turn them into these little suites. Let me just give you the English titles of these so you've got an idea of what we're listening to and, and uh, the sort of the flair and flavor of, uh, of the, the melodies. Tell Horvat's youngest daughter. Oh, tell her what? I'm not quite sure. In the girl's garden, the jackdaw nests in the poplar. They say Seged has no witches. <laughs> a concertchardash. So a chardash is a very famous Hungarian dance. It's got a slow section, a lasso, and a fast section of feasts. So this is a fast concertchardash, and you, you tend to use these to finish the sweets. So that's kind of the finish of that suite but I've also added on some more there's mourn for me lilacs oh that sounds so um, melancholic why am I not allowed to love you hmm. on the eaves of my house and another concert chardash this is great stuff I just think it's a lot of fun we're going to listen now to Georges Lakatosh and his gypsy band <laughs>
I just love that soppy music, that great <laughs> Hungarian cafe-style music, the sort of stuff you would hear in the restaurants and the cafes. It's still very popular. It certainly makes me want to grab a glass of Tokai or maybe even Seksardi Vorosikud, Hungarian red wine. We heard Zsuzs Lakatos and his gypsy band perform what Hungarians would call evergreens, popular uh, Hungarian tunes of a folk and non-folk nature. I just, just, just love that sort of stuff. This is a good segue into the last piece of music that we're going to listen to, which is a wonderful uh, embodiment of folk into classic into folk into classic ad infinitum. And it's the great ballet by the Spanish composer Manuel de Falla called El Amor Brujo, or Love the Magician, which was composed in 1915. It's a type of ballet known as a gitaneria, or a dance gypsy entertainment, and it was dedicated to the flamenco dancer and singer Pastora Imperio. The performance that we're going to hear keeps that tradition of the cantoroa, I guess is how you, cantaora, I guess is how you pronounce it, rather than a mezzo-soprano, because in this recording we have a very famous uh, Spanish singer of this style known as Rocio Jurado, or Jurado, yes, right, because it's a, a J, Rocio Jurado. What a great voice. Now, I'm used to hearing it performed, this work performed, sung by a mezzo-soprano, but after hearing this recording with Rocio Jurado, I can't listen to it any other way because you want that authentic folk-style voice singing this incredible composition. It's from a recording uh, that was that is essentially the soundtrack of a film by Carlos Saura, who filmed uh, the ballet El Amor Brujo and also included flamenco music. It's a great, great uh, movie, well worth seeing. It's a concert performance of, of uh, the ballet with tra uh, traditional flamenco music as well. We're going to hear the actual ballet. Now, let me give you the synopsis of the story. I'm talking about gypsies from Hungary. Of course, they're gypsies, especially the the Roman Sinti in, in uh, Spain. The story is of an Andalusian gypsy woman called Candela. Although her affection is for a man named Carmelo, as a girl, she was promised to be married to another man who was then a boy. After many years, Candela's husband has died at the hands of the husband of a woman named Lucia, but he continues to haunt his wife. The entire village knows about the haunting, but still brands Candela as crazy because she dances every night with her husband's ghost. Candela, now a widow, is free to establish a relationship with Carmelo, but continues to be haunted by her husband's ghost. After a conversation with other women of the village, Candela finally comes to realize that her husband was unfaithful to her despite all her efforts to make their marriage work. Her husband's lover is revealed to have been Lucia. Candela and Carmelo get advice that a ritual dance is necessary to cast the ghosts off. And that's the famous ritual fire dance, which has become a popular piece entirely on its own. Well, it comes from this ballet. Unfortunately, this ritual dance does not work. The ghost is still obsessed with Candela's soul. Candela manages to trick Lucia to come that night with the excuse of hooking her up with Carmelo. As she turns up, the nightly ritual of Candela's dance with her husband's ghost begins. But at the last moment, Candela moves away from her husband and Lucia is taken away by her now 
dead lover. Dawn breaks. Candela and Carmelo are now truly free to enjoy their love. All that happens in the space of 25 minutes. A very intense, fantastic ballet. We will now hear it performed by, as I mentioned, Rocio Jurado is the, is the singer, with the National Orchestra of Spain under the direction of Jesus Lopez Cobos, or Lopez Cobos. I love that Italian, uh, Italian Spanish lisp. Yes, Jesus Lopez Cobos. Here is the great score of Manuel de Falla, El Amor Brujo. <laughs>
candela que arde Más arde el infierno que estoy da mi sangre Abrazada ese hielo Cuando el río suena, si el agua no mata el fuego, a mi el pena me condena, a mi el creme envenena, a mi me mata la pena.
sigue, le llama y ella corre, lo mismo que el fuego fatuo, lo mismo
que ella te daba, tú no te lo merecías. ¿Quién lo había de Magical, marvelous ballet score by Manuel de Falla, El Amor Brujo, Love the Magician. We heard a fantastic performance of it with singer Rocio Jurado, the National Orchestra of Spain, all under the direction of Jesus Lopez Cobos. Fantastic recording, a soundtrack for a film of uh, the ba ballet, 
along with uh, flamenco performances by one Antonio Gades and his dancers. A great, great film to see. But the soundtrack is worth getting as well. It's, it was available on EMI. One of my favorite recordings of um, the work, actually it is my favorite recording of the work, because as I said earlier, I can now only hear a proper singer as opposed to a mezzo-soprano. Oh dear, mezzo-sopranos are going to get mad at me. But yes, I prefer hearing um, a folk-type singer performing this work. And we've been everywhere folk-wise in Europe, haven't we? We've been to Estonia, we've been to Finland, been to Poland, we've been to Georgia, we've been to Spain, we've been to Hungary. Wonderful, universal aspect, at least in from a European point of view, but it's just a wonderful survey of folk into classic, into folk, into classic, into folk, into classic, etc., etc., etc. Really hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's been one of my favorites. Yes, I do have favorites. I hope you also tune in, when you can, to my radio show on CKCU FM 93.1 in Ottawa. This is a show I do Wednesday mornings from 10 to 11, a midweek, mid-morning coffee break, and it's called Music for a While. Otherwise, I will see you next week here, hopefully, on my podcast as a guest in my music room. Take care of yourselves. I'm David Kavlovic. Thank you for listening.